Welcome to our first segment of this afternoon's program. It is Sunday, the 29th of August, 2021. I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. Another period of stricter restrictions on movement has been announced by the government in response to a rapid increase in the number of COVID-19 cases confirmed in the country. Public officials are now grappling with the more transmissible Delta variant, which is a particular concern. Uh, it was announced on Wednesday night, which was August 25th, uh, and came into effect on or from Friday the 27th. Uh, new restrictions or the reintroduction of certain restrictions include the uh, moval or the change in curfew hours rather uh, from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Uh, gyms are to be closed effective from Friday which just went. Uh, restaurants are now to do takeout only. Uh, summer camps and other such places are to close and churches are restricted to seating 25 members only. Uh, excluding technical and other staff, and of course the clergy. Uh, wakes and receptions are also limited to 25 individuals, and informal gatherings are to be limited to 10 people. Uh, so on this segment, we'll be asking how serious is the new wave of COVID-19 infections, and uh, of course, what will be the social and economic impact of going into yet another period of such restrictions. Uh, joining us for this discussion, we're happy to have with us Miss Erica Edwards. Uh, she is a business development professional working in the insurance industry here in Antigua and Barbuda. And we're happy to have her with us this afternoon, Miss Erica Edwards. How are you doing? I'll just let you know that your microphone is uh, still muted on Zoom. Uh, but tell us how you're doing this afternoon. Good afternoon, Karen. I am doing very well. I want to say thank you for having me and welcome to our listeners and my fellow panelists. We also have with us Ms. Valerie Hodge. I believe she joins us on the line. Uh, she's the Managing Director of Shirley Heights Lookout Bar, Restaurant and Gift Shops situated in the Nelson's Dockyard National Park, or the National Park overlooking the Nelson's Dockyard, rather. Uh, Shirley Heights Lookout is an Antiguan owned and operated, and uh, it will, in fact, on the, the 1st of November 2021, uh, be celebrating its 40th anniversary, its 40th birthday. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ms. Valerie Hodge, and how are you doing? Thank you for asking. I'm well, as I hope you are, and I'm hoping that I can stay that way. <laughs> uh, finally, we're joined by Dr. George Roberts. He is a medical doctor here in Antigua and Barbuda. He's an ear, nose, and throat specialist. Uh, he's joined this program before, of course, discussing matters of COVID-19 and public health. Uh, good afternoon to you, Dr. George Roberts. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Nice to be here. and hope we can be able to help um, to alleviate the situation that we find ourselves in now. Uh, Dr. George Roberts, if I could begin with you, just to get a sense from you, from uh, your perspective, uh, whether or not the uh, increase in cases we're seeing now uh, is something more concerning due to the fact that uh, the, the, uh, all variants of COVID are present in Antigua and Barbuda, particularly the Delta variant. I think even if the Delta variant was not here at this point in time, any increase in the cases, especially the exponential increase that we see now, must be a matter of grave concern. And um, when we think about it, uh, the trend of increase and going up um, will, um, not, is, is indicative of um, more problems in the, in, the, in the society and the population as a whole in terms of the prevalence of the disease because this is just um, like almost like the tip of the iceberg and um, we're going to be seeing i think um, and we have already going to see an increase in the number of um, hospitalized cases um, we're going to get some deaths not uh, nothing too much not as many as it could be so far thank god but um you know 
um, we are still wait, we're still waiting to see the this um, curve flatten and to to see the um, to see the, the number of cases flatten off and, and decrease. In the, in, in the meantime, we must be con concerned, really, really concerned, and it's a matter of um, urgency. I think of national urgency. And uh, another question to you before I move on. Uh, I want to get a sense from you as to whether or not you think we can uh, suppress the, the, the current uh, outbreak, if you call it that. I mean, we've seen uh, waves of infections in other countries around the world that they are, are struggling to deal with. Uh, you know, sort of COVID numbers in certain places becoming out of control as they deal with variants that are more transmissible and an overwhelming of their healthcare systems. Uh, do you think that we can be successful in suppressing this current rise? Well, we must be successful. We, we, we have to um, suppress it. How soon and how efficiently um, suppress it depends a lot on us. I think um, the employment um, primarily by social, by distancing measures, very, very important, and um, hygiene and personal hygiene, yes, and universal vaccination. Those are the ways in which we can do it. Otherwise, it will just... Um, Lingo on it will take a lot longer, but it must be suspected one one way or the other. Um, it will have to be. We can't do have any choice. Uh, Miss Erica Edwards, if I could bring you in, um, what was your reaction? What was your reaction, I suppose, to seeing the numbers uh, going up? And it did it did occur um, within a short space of time. We were seeing large. Uh, uh, numbers being confirmed you 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 you'd see a dashboard update with with dozens and dozens of people 50 people or uh, uh, numbers like that um and of course then hearing that we're going into a reintroduction of some of the the, the strict measures that we would have seen uh, around february and march uh, what was your reaction what was your thinking karen i was very concerned i was very very concerned uh, just to add some perspective, because I, I don't think people are really taking this into perspective. This week alone, we had 161 new cases, new cases, just this week alone. And that created a level of concern to me. We can talk about the financial aspect, and it is critical, because you, 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 if we continue this way, the government will have no other choice but to put us into full lockdown. Now, if you look at the, the, the curfew, the curfew has been moved to 8 o'clock. So this is now three hours less that business people have time to operate. You look at the supermarkets who may have closed at 9. They're now closing at 6. They're losing 21 hours of week, a week in sales. This translates into less hours for staff less household income for staff, less money circulating in the economy, less money to spend, and every single business on this island is going to suffer, not just the businesses that closed at 11 o'clock. So that was of grave concern to me. And I, I think we really need to bring this under control. It, it cannot be left unabated at all. Uh, and Ms. Valerie Hodge, uh, your your sort of reaction as this developed uh, over the last week and a half uh, uh, reported large increase in, 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 in case numbers and then, of course, the reintroduction of strict restrictions. I could not. I cannot in all honesty say that I was totally surprised because I'd seen some 
I mean, it's happening all over. Everybody's abreast of everything that happens in the moment. Um, so the numbers I found staggering, but they weren't unexpected. One of the things that um, I have found is that, and of course, Erica spoke about the loss of business, those persons who have to close earlier, and some of us have to close completely. And for instance, my company, in the last 17 months, we have had seven months of operation. So that there were in the, in, the, in the 17 months, in the other 10 months, we had zero income where we have expenses that we still have to, to deal with. We have our generator costs, we have insurance. So there are fixed costs that you have to deal with, with zero income. What I think that we have to do, I don't think that it's, question, it's a question as to whether we deal with it, get ahead of it. I think we're all going to be agreed on that. I think the discussion is more the how, because I don't know that to say restaurants, bars, gyms, I don't know that that knee-jerk reaction is appropriate, because if I can quote the Honorable Mia Motley, Prime Minister of Barbados, that is a sprint response to a marathon situation. Uh, well, so let me I don't know that, I don't know that to, 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 to pinpoint this particular sector. And the reason I'm saying pinpoint is I don't know about anybody else, but I can speak for Shirley Heights, in that you operate with a certain license that is issued by the Central Board of Health. They tell you your capacity, and you work with that. And interestingly enough, our capacity has just been increased. But out of an abundance of caution, and because I was not sure that we could put all the infrastructure in to make persons as safe as we currently do with, before, the, um, before the increase, we did not go up to the capacity that we were given. So I'm not sure that to say restaurants or, or bars you know, are the problem. And if your notes that you sent me um, are accurate, it says that the Minister of Information said that we were not, these particular businesses were, had an inability to enforce the restrictions. And I guess I'm asking, on what basis would you make a decision like that if you haven't checked the businesses to see? Well, so that, that would be my first set of comments. Uh, Dr. George Roberts, if I could pick up on, on those comments by Ms. Hodge, just to get your reaction. Um, you, you have a lot of business owners in Antigua and Barbuda who are uh, really directly impacted every time uh, there is a, a lockdown situation. Or, well, we're not in a lockdown situation right now. It's just a period of increased restrictions, uh, a, a stricter curfew. But you have businesses that are directly affected. They are, they are told either you can't operate or you have to operate uh, by only doing takeout or you, or you can only operate within certain hours. And it, 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 it really hurts them. And they are not uh, uh, convinced or not confident that the approach that is being taken is one that is uh, an approach that is grounded in uh, a factual science of the situation. W what is your reaction to that? Is it, is it, is it uh, sensible that when uh, we see this increase in numbers, we, we automatically uh, put all restaurants, gyms, bars, uh, we place them under the same blanket and say you're no longer allowed to do X, Y, and Z? I don't think any sh anything should be necessarily automatic, but there's no question that if you have uh, restaurants with people 
drinking, eating, talking without masks and close together. It's definitely a situation where one could see an, a potential increase in, um, in spread. Also in gyms where people might be running and exercising the, the, with, uh, very often they don't use a mask to get all the oxygen in. Um, these are all potentially um, very um, situations conducive to this um, to the spread of um, of the virus. I'm not saying that they're the major things, but I think they definitely would have to be seen as um, as uh, as potential as potential causes of, of, of difficulty. Let me jump in. Um, let me jump in really quickly. I want to ask you just in follow up. Um, what would you say to those who would say, "Well, look, I I, I own a, a restaurant and I am following the protocols. I have my people distance. People come in, they wear masks. They, they stay with me. To the, I I ask people to show a proof of vaccination for persons who are doing." these things and are yet told when uh, we have these, these large increase in cases, okay, well, you need to, you need to shut shop. Um, what would you say to those individuals who are saying, well, am I not doing what you have asked me to do to uh, limit and to, 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 to halt the, the transmission of COVID-19? Or, or is it that your measures themselves uh, you don't see as effective anymore? But what would you say to those people? I would think that a lot of times these um, measures would be more directed at those people who might not be following the protocols properly because it only needs to take one one set of one one, one establishment to really start off a, 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 a process which will spread rapidly especially if it is a delta variant which is very infectious and very contagious and so therefore i think that um in a, in a situation like that, um, what um, a administrator might, might need to say, okay, probably, um, you know, Shirley Heights may be doing well, um, um, doing well and maybe some others. But then um, other general emergency situations, they can't go and check out every bar and say, well, you can do well you do and whatnot. That, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I shouldn't be probably talking for them. But I would think that... Um, the concern for them will be a lot, not necessarily the people who are following the protocols, but the many who are not. And so it's much easier for them to just say, you know, the blanket, um, where everything shuts down. I mean, which, I, which, which is difficult, you know, because I've been in a situation too, because I'm seeing, for instance, that right now, um, lots of people have gotten vaccinated. Lots of um, the vaccinated people are supposed to be more, resus more resistant to, um, infections and so on but there no is no special uh, allow, um, uh, allocation or allow, um, allowment for the fact that they have vaccination and so therefore they're treated differently everybody just treated the same way and it's a matter of i think that probably to, to some extent the um the, the 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 resources of the health of health health system are stretched and so, therefore, they don't have the time to waste really at this stage to individualize, especially in a situation where things are rapidly getting out of control. So it's a matter of when you just say, everybody stop, boom, try to hold it back, and then you can probably start going back again. This is what I suspect might be the thinking. I'm, I'm not in the inside. I don't really know for sure. Uh, Miss Erica Edwards, let me ask you. Um, I mean, we we have noted quite a bit of uh, public angst, anxiousness. Uh, I would even say, of course, resentment uh, in terms of the various waves of restrictions we've had to go through. And it is, it is nothing unique to Antigua and Barbuda. It's it's something observed around the world. Um, uh, 
the restrictions and dealing with COVID-19 has a severe social and economic impact, uh, and people have had to endure that for for a very long time now. Um, I'm wondering how you think this new period of restrictions will affect the social mood. I mean, we did see that there were many people who were um, concerned enough uh, to uh, have gone out and demonstrated uh, consistently uh, in terms of uh, restriction measures, uh, things they thought were fair and unfair, vaccination. Uh, what do you think this new period of restrictions will mean in terms of the national mood? We are now seeing the vaccinated. I, I actually just received a petition um, asking vaccinated persons to sign the petition because they vaccinated persons are now upset because they feel like they have done the right thing. They have made the sacrifice and they're now being restricted. And so now they're asking the government, we are vaccinated, we are fully vaccinated, and we think that you should allow us movement you let the unvaccinated stay at home, allow us movement. We want to go out, we want to socialize, and we don't like it. So that is a very good question because everyone is starting to get tired. It's been a long haul. It has been, you know, months over a year that we're going through this process. People really want to get back to some level of normalcy, although we may not ever be back to our previous normal. And I am seeing a lot of resentment. Business owners are complaining. The bars are saying, you asked us to do so-and-so restaurants, similar to what Ms. Hudd said. And now we have done everything you've asked us to do. And you still have placed us in a position where for two weeks we can earn no income. We don't even know if we'll reopen. We're, you know, we've been struggling for so long and we think that this is unfair. And so the social mood is very tense at the moment and i can't say rightfully or wrongfully so it's it's a difficult time there's no one size fits all to this but what i will say here on is that we are very reactive and i think we have to get to a place where we have contingencies yes there are protocols that have been put in place but numbers are still going up even though the protocols are in place so what do we do? How do we balance it to, to make sure that business owners can continue to operate and we can bring the numbers into play? Um, I saw something, someone made a very good suggestion last night. Maybe they can look at allowing restaurants to do takeout beyond the curfew period up until a certain period. So not takeout, delivery. So we're in, but restaurants can deliver to us. People are at home, they can order something like that can happen. Maybe you can look at outdoor dining, like what um, they did in New York and a few other places. I know Montreal did it. Outdoor Paris. dining can be allowed, you know, but indoor dining not. So maybe restaurants can adjust themselves and do it that way. Um, bars, you would have to be very careful because bars are a very social situation, but maybe you can look at an alternative for them. I don't know how the gym would handle it because, as Dr. Robert says, people are sweating. You can't exercise in a mask. It's indoor. Most gyms are air-conditioned. But maybe you can look at an alternate one. And I think what has to happen is each individual sector needs to have this conversation as a group with the government and the medical professionals to determine 
how when we're having these waves because i'm sure this won't be the last how can we best adjust so that we don't have to have a complete lockdown uh, Ms. Hodge, I want to get your perspective, if you, if you, if you let me know. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm listening, and I'm listening keenly because I am the one that's in the restaurant business, and I can tell you, Karen, we have completely closed the indoor dining for Shirley Heights. Everything that we do is outdoors. Now, I can also tell you that from the for the period that we have been allowed to operate, albeit intermittently. I can tell you every single person that ever came to Shirley Heights because we have a reservation system. No, not one single time has anybody called me and said to me, was Mr. Karen Murdoch at Shirley Heights because he is showing signs of X, Y, and Z and he claims to have been there. Who would he have been exposed to? Not once. Not once has anybody on my staff become ill. And so I'm saying, and as I began, I think that broad brushing everybody makes absolutely no sense. I think that if you're going to make a decision that there is incapacity, you have to check to make sure that there is that incapacity. Um, I asked of my parliamentary representative to come and view what we had done at Shirley Heights. And in his words, not mine, not mine, he said, Val, this is the gold standard of anything I've seen in Antigua. Our tables are separated with plexiglass so that we allow that, we afford that additional level of protection, which we were asked to do. We have, we have space. Space is not a problem at Shirley Heights. We have the markings on the ground. We have people who try to remind the people that they must adhere. There is no dancing. Um, our numbers have been cut by better than 60%. Because we recognize, as Ms. Edwards had said, that there is a new normal. It's not going to go back to wall-to-wall people and chatting up in people's face, leaning up at the bar. There is none of that. So my, my question still remains. If this is happening, and it is happening in sections of the country, are we looking to other places other than restaurants, bars, and gyms? What about the supermarkets? What about the markets? What about Bendom? What about the lines outside banks? It seems to me a little bit lazy to just pinpoint one sector. And I understand that this is everybody's concern. What I would rather hear happen is that persons are invited to the conversation. Because I believe if you went into a room, any room, and said to the occupants there, those of you who would not want a life without the restrictions of COVID, put up your hand. Not a single hand would go up, not even for the most mindless person. And I think there can be the opening for a conversation about what are you willing to do to assist this? Because it's not just the problem of the restaurant or the bars or the gym. It's a global problem and certainly in Antigua, an island-wide problem. So let's not just pinpoint people and say, oh, you may be it and you may be it, or this may have been a spreader. I look at pictures of the airport, and I think that, the, the, you know, the way all airports are situated, all cruise ships, you know, you're almost packing people in a cocoon. So when we look 
I think we ought to look carefully. And in the looking, we should begin the, the conversation about public education. Because, as I said, if you went into a room and asked anybody to put up their hand, who wouldn't want COVID gone? Not even the dullant if no one could put up theirs. Dr. George Roberts, let me ask you... Um uh, if you could clarify for us um, the, the, the issue of persons who are fully vaccinated um, still being able to uh, contract and, and spread COVID, even though they will not, or, or there's a, a far less likelihood that they will not get a severe uh, uh, bout of the disease. Um, and the reason I'm asking this question is because uh, there was an attempt by the government to say, we want to place restrictions on certain um, venues where only the vaccinated can go. Um, of course, that caused quite a stir. Um, but their reasoning that came out for that publicly was uh, that there would be a, a reduction in transmission. Um, so I'm wondering to, to what extent do we have to worry about transmission within the population of vaccinated people? Okay. First of all, before I just go into that, I must say, I must, I must say I'm very much sympathetic with... Um, uh, Ms. Sarge's and other and like other like persons' position, uh, but we have to recognize though that unfortunately, um, one of the difficulties that we have uh, with vaccination, with a lot of things about COVID, is that people tend to attend to see it from a personal um, point of view, which is which is very understandable. Um, you know, I'm seeing it from a personal point of view myself. I Means I am like the bomb disposal um, unit because. Um, up to today, I was called to um, operate on somebody with established COVID, and um, I, I and anybody who I see, because of my ear, nose, and throat situation, I'm um, you know even if they're not clinically ill, they could be carriers of um, COVID. And once I t take off the mask, and I can examine the nose, I'm getting the full blast, and, and it's getting to my. So therefore, I um, it's it's personal. It's very personal for me as well. But the thing about it is, in a pandemic like this, um, unfortunately, we have to um, also be able to properly manage it. It has to be managed on a communal, community level. And that is where, that is how, um, so even though people may have their individual sicknesses and their individual um, problems and so on, the, the goal must not, be seen, not, must not be seen as an individualistic disease but as a community disease. And this would make it much easier to, if we see like that, and um, it would make it much easier for persons to want to cooperate and um, try to do their best as a community to um, enforce um, and um, support, um, you know, the, um, support the, the distancing measures. As far as the vaccine goes, right, um, definitely what happens is this. When somebody gets infected by COVID, um, first of all, it goes into the nostrils. When it goes into the nostrils, um, then um, the body can can begin to uh, begin to make a defense about uh, against it, um, which would vary with the person's status. If a patient has never been um, exposed to COVID at all before, then they may it may stay there for a while. If they have been exposed be exposed to the COVID before and been recovered, then they may be able to have some antibodies to more um, to better, better um, take care of the virus in, in the nose, where, it, where it's going to be to be able to cause a positive um, positive test result and also um, cause transmission. But if they've been vaccinated, 
he's been shown by all the studies um, that um, even for um, for the Delta viruses on the vaccination is the most effective way of decreasing the population of um, the, um, of the of the of the virus in the in the, um, in the nose where it can cause um, you know further infection or transmission to somebody else and to be a carrier. And so, therefore, nothing is 100%. When people always ask and say, does it prevent, does the vaccination prevent something? Nothing prevents something 100%. Yeah, it's like asking if um, a seatbelt um, prevents you from getting, um, from getting an accident or, uh, um, or a, a, a bulletproof vest prevents you from getting killed. It won't prevent you, but it will definitely decrease likelihood significant well let me jump in let me jump in let me jump in just to ask then if it is that um the 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 medical position is that look um vaccination still so greatly reduces your chances of transmitting this to someone else picking it up and transmitting it not to say it's impossible but it's going to the the chances are so reduced that the uh, public health authorities who are confident enough to say look if you are vaccinated uh, you can go to these venues, and we feel safe having a situation where only vaccinated people go to certain venues. And there were many people who were vaccinated who said, "Oh, well, that sounds that sounds fantastic. That sounds lovely." Um, only for the government to then come back and say, "Okay, um, everybody has to shut anyway," because uh, I, I believe, as it's come out in well, uh, as it's come out in this discussion, it may be a situation where uh, you're, you're not able to go and verify and police. Uh, every single establishment, you may not have the resources, it may be quite a pain, uh, and you're dealing with a situation of a, 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 a rapid rise, and so you just tell everybody, look, you, you gotta, you, everybody's got to do this for now, X, Y, Z. But would you still support, I suppose my question, Dr. Roberts, is would you uh, still support a situation where vaccinated persons can go to certain venues, it, it, just like the government had said before? I, 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 I think, I think it, um, so it, will, it, make, it will make sense, I would think, that um, if somebody is vaccinated and you think that uh, you're convinced that that vaccination status will make them be less of a threat to themselves and to others around them, it would then be um, make, be logical for them for you to be able to and then trust them in certain positions where um, more than the other. But then the question is, to what extent? You know, because it's not an exact science, you know. Because, as you say, even though much less, it's still possible, and so therefore, you know, the degree is a bit of uh, is a bit of an argument. But I mean, say, for instance, um, I was in a situation um, recently where, um, because of exposure, I had to be um, uh, be quarantined. I mean, I didn't get positive, wasn't positive or anything like that. But then, I was a bit concerned that um, you know I had to do um, you know though I was I'm fully vaccinated, I still have to do the same amount of quarantine that a non-vaccinated person um, would have done, which doesn't um, happen in, um, which, which doesn't happen in, um, in certain other areas. But the question is, how much, to what extent? It's been an inexact science, and I suppose at this point in time, people are trying to be safe and do whatever they can to curb this, um, this, this emerging monster that we have. Um, of the uh, increase of um, COVID and the Delta virus variant. Uh, Ms. Erica Edwards, um, I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective on uh, the issue of um, 
well, persons who, who remain unvaccinated, uh, because, of course, there is a lot of tension in terms of the, the, the public debate, public discussion, especially on social media when it comes to uh, persons who uh, wish to remain unvaccinated. You have many people who are unvaccinated for various reasons. You have persons who are concerned by uh, the legitimately reported adverse effects, even though they're very rare, of vaccination, and they ha- they hold those concerns legitimately, and so they're unwilling to get vaccinated. You have Less than 0.1%. <laughs> correct, correct. You also have a lot of people who are... Um, they come by a lot of misinformation. Uh, I, I, I've, I've personally experienced the fact that the, 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 the misinformation factor is, is so much stronger. You have so many people who are um, uh, turned off from the idea of vaccination because of misinformation. But I do acknowledge that uh, you have persons who are concerned about, uh, as, 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 as Dr. Dr. Roberts pointed out, the, the rare um, uh, particular adverse effects that, that have been reported about vaccination, even though they're so rare. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to how you think we w- will deal with that situation or resolve it nationally, uh, being that uh, I, I can't imagine a situation in Antigua and Barbuda where, um, you know, there's somebody standing at the door at various businesses and, you know, if you don't have a vaccination card, you can't get in. People, people tend to, 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 to shrink at that, at that idea. You know, how far will that go? Uh, and how would that affect people's lives? Um, w- what is your view on the entire issue? I have always said, Karen, information is power. And you, the, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated war that has, has really taken shape here is of grave concern to me. Um, I think, as you said, most of it stems from misinformation. And I mean, I have had a few flashes on my Facebook page of people that I have had to ask just not to spread propaganda on any of my posts. And I will not tolerate it. I, I totally don't tolerate it. I don't even bring it into a discussion. But if you want to have a discussion, I'm open to the discussion because I understand some people are genuinely afraid. Some people have gotten... The wrong information some people don't i mean some people are saying i'm in childbearing age and I, I am concerned and it is a legitimate concern but i have said from the beginning this whole vaccination process needs to be led by people who can explain it people who the public trusts and the best place for this thing to have started would have been in the clinics there are people who completely trust their clinic doctors. They walk into the clinic and anything the nurse or doctor tells them, they believe because they've built a level of trust. And so vaccination should have been available at the clinics. Um, vaccination should have been available at your private doctor because I trust you. I, I have trusted you. you. You brought my child into this world. I think we have to get back that level of discussion um i think the level of discussion is too it it, it is not personal enough it's too disconnected um these these centers that people are going to they're meeting people they don't know they they, they, they're not sure they want to trust them they walk in there and they're seeing the minister of this and this politician that they probably don't like and that turns them off it has also become very political and we have to move it away from that and bring it back to a very personalized space where we can conversate. And I can genuinely share with you without 
you making me feel like I am your enemy or I'm stupid, and we can really have general conversations. I think this is where we're going to have to go in order for this to be more successful. Um, we can't be too combative because people generally, when you force them, they're going to they're going to push back. So I think we need to just change the conversation, change the atmosphere a little bit, and bring it back to a different space. Uh, Miss Miss Valerie Hodge, um, uh, on the issue of vaccination. I'm going to tell you, forget me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> one with the, the best respect, I'm going to say that maybe this program, this segment, are a little bit short. And um, your questions are, are editorialized um, with the best respect. I just want to say here that I have not heard anybody address the issue. Well, I think Miss Edwards just did when she said conversation. I have said education. And that has been glossed over. I have also said that there needs to be. I mentioned the, the other places that I see congregations of people in close proximity. That has not been addressed in this forum, so I hope the next set of panelists will take it up. But I would like to say that I am fully vaccinated. I believe I said that already. But I believe in the layers of protection because I don't think that um, people's reactions from any injection, I don't think that they're rare. I think they're perhaps underreported because now that people are going to their personal doctors, the information is in different places. I believe in layers of protection. I believe that your diet, how you live your life, your exercise, that's one layer. I believe masks present another layer, social distancing, another, hand washing, another, and um, vaccination, another. I think they all assist each other. And I like the Swiss cheese analogy, and that perhaps appeals to me because of the business I'm in. Um, you know, one layer, one slice of Swiss cheese, there's a hole. But the other one that you put on, you know, put the hole where the other hole was. But what I would like to say, and I, I, I am sure that this is probably our ending comment, I think that I've heard the admonition that we have to balance business with health. And I'm saying, I just want very quickly to tell you that in my operation, and I can't think of another small operation like mine, with only 10 people on staff, and some of them volunteers, who that manages to impact so many, so many. And I think small business is the engine, and the more you put small business out of business and confine business into the big hotels, I think it's the longer we're gonna be in this. So for me, Shirley Heights, um, to operate, I need my generator man. And notice that I say I'm still on generator power after 40 years nearly. I have assigned vendors, some of whom are second generation vendors now, about six of those. And two moonlighters will come and we don't turn them back because we're not inside. For a band to play, there are at least 20 people involved. And some of the bands that play for me, at least one of the bands from my community, anytime I close, they have not had any work. There are taxi drivers from every persuasion, every hotel that bring people and my capacity is 160 and i'm going to say 40 taxi drivers because i'm going to put four in every taxi although some people insist on two so that's 40 more people that get employment we have bartenders cooks part-time workers coal people ice people fishermen lobster man and my staff was the one that did this exercise to me and they came back and said to me you know with a staff of 10 and administration of three 
and volunteers, we are probably responsible for providing work for a hundred other people. Now think of that spread in the economy. I'm suggesting that perhaps we not be judged by our incapacity that you have not proved. Come and look at our capacity. And let's talk about public education as well. Thank you. Uh, Dr. George Roberts, your, your final words for this segment. Dr. George Roberts, you still with us? Okay, perhaps we will end this segment here. Um, Hello? Yes, we are hearing you now. Your final word for this segment, yes, Dr. Sorry, Roberts. I was on mute. Yes, I'm just saying it's not an easy situation in any way, um, shape or form. There are lots of um, things to be taken into consideration. As um, Ms. Hodge rightly said, you have to balance the business aspect with the medical aspect. Um, and, but I think the important thing has, has been emphasized by the other, um, by Ms. Edwards as well. We need to work together. We need to have, we have a common effort. We can't be saying it's us against them. And this is why I said, if we look at it, not from an individual point of view, but from a communal point of view and realize that we have to get together to work to fight against this um, epidemic. Um, I think um, this is where we're going to have to start. Education, communication, and a sense that it's a, something that we need to work at together without any angst, without any um, admonitions, and without um, any um, uh, using carrots rather than sticks. Right. With that, we're going to leave this segment here. I want to say thank you to all three of our guests. We were joined by Miss Erica Edwards. She's a business development professional working in the insurance industry here in Antigua and Barbuda. Also by Miss Valerie Hodge, the managing director of the Shirley Heights Lookout Restaurant, Bar and Gift Shop. Uh, and also to Dr. George Roberts, medical doctor and Ian Nose and Throat Specialist here in Antigua and Barbuda. Thanks to all three of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Welcome to our second segment of this afternoon's program.